0: Thank you for tuning in to My Legacy Experience podcast. Today is part two of a two-part series on grant writing with Phyllis Harris. Talk a little bit about the typical grant application. What does that look like in those components of a grant application? Okay,
1: again, the grant application process can look very different. There are so many variations. It can be a total application process where you're sitting and typing in your responses on an actual electronic form that has a, like, again, a certain number of spaces that you have and that's it. You know, so you got to convince and really get the good meat in there in a very limited way Uh, because the grant readers, a lot of them, they love application grants because they don't want to read, you know, a great literary work, for example. So you have that, but then you have those federal grants. You know, the whole process could be 35 to 100 pages long because you have sections for the 10 major areas that I'm going to talk about here in a second. And then you have appendix where you might attach articles about your organization to show how you've impacted the community. You might have resumes and things like that of the staff who will be working in it. Uh, You may have your projected budget as a section of the proposal there's just so many things that they may ask for. If you are a church, they may want a letter from the bishop and the pastor and everybody. A lot of uh, grants will ask for an audit, for example, if you're a company. So we have to really think about, you know, that what is our capacity to meet the need of the proposal? You have to be very, very realistic about grants. And so I comfortably when I started writing by myself solely, I've written with uh, groups for years, and then I stepped out on faith alone, and I started out with smaller grants because I had the capacity to fulfill what the proposal was asking for. And I know lots of people like you that I could call and have do or facilitate certain pieces of the grants. So again, you have to start out where you are. But that doesn't mean don't go big, you know If you think you can go big right away, go ahead and try that. But just make sure. That you have all the elements and all the pieces in place and all the strategies. So grants can be very laborious, overly comprehensive to the point you feel like you're working on a Ph.D. Uh, times two. You know, so again, it can be that way. I have participated in a verbal grant before, where I had to get on a webinar with people, and they it wasn't Zoom then, however, they zoomed me in with about six or seven people sitting at a table and they saw me from Kansas City and I was talking to them from Washington, D.C. And I had to answer uh, questions they had. And let me tell you, I was wore out when it was over. So it's all different kinds of ways that grants can happen. There's also uh, grants where you can maybe just send them information sometimes. And this is rare, where they'll say, we want these things from you. And then we're going to analyze you and then we're going to send you an application to fill out if we think that you have everything that it takes. So, But the most of the time, you're going to deal with the 10 components in a traditional proposal. That's why that term, call for proposal, is so important. So that's typically the way that you're going to do a grant. They're not always as long. Some of them are. Big, multi-million dollar grants. Naturally, anything that gives you more money, is going to ask for more. Okay. So that's just how it is. And then when you have some of the local grants for neighborhoods and communities, you know, not, 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 not a bad job. Uh, it's not too heavy for you. But again, you're going to definitely have to evidence. And so no matter how big or small, those 10 components show up one way or another. And so let me about those. Would you like me to talk about those now? Yes, that would be my next question. Okay, right. First and foremost, I mentioned the cover letter. Uh, It should be written on your letterhead and should be signed by the organization's highest official. It should be addressed to the individual at the funding source with whom the organization has dealt with and then should refer to earlier discussions, for example, because here's the thing with the cover letter. They keep in mind, they're reading lots of proposals, so you got to remind them who you are, trigger their memory. They're like, oh, yeah, I met them before. I went over to their program, okay? And that might trigger them to keep reading your proposal. I don't want to say this because I don't know for sure, and I don't have any data around it, but sometimes I wonder, do they read the whole thing? So that cover letter is critical. You got to grab them right in the very beginning, okay? So that's number one. Number two, your proposal summary is the key to the funding. Again, it's a description of the applicant you. It's a definition of the problem to be served, a statement of the objectives, an outline of the activities, and description. So it starts out kind of summarizing what you're getting ready to talk about in components, okay? So it's giving them kind of a feel. And sometimes people stop at that second element. They're like, oh, this kind of tells me everything I need to know. And if they want a little bit more detail, they may thumb through and get some other things. So again, number two, the proposal summary is just what it says. It summarizes before they get into the the more specific and logistical and and methodologies that are going to be used in the process. Now, number three is introduction of the organization. And you really want to get their attention here because it really gives them a, a track record of accomplishments you've made, and it highlights your strengths so that they can say, oh, well, if they did that, I have a feeling they might be able to, this, they might be a good candidate for this. And so basically, it's a way to make the funders secure with you, okay? And again, I always tell people, you know, presentation is everything, like I mentioned on your letterhead and all that when you submit a grant proposal, application, whatever it is, you want to be extremely professional. You want to be slick. You want it to look good. Because if you just threw it together, that's the way you'll do the grant. Okay. So I just want to point that out. And I know most people know this, but I always like to say something. So people won't say, you know, she didn't tell us that. It's just like when you're applying for a job, you're not going to uh, turn in a resume that's been balled up and then straightened out a little bit. You're going to send in a very slick resume to market yourself appropriately. And you, need to, you have to do it times 10 for a grant, okay? So three is introduction of the organization. And then number four is your problem statement and needs assessment. And I always talk about that's where you tug on the heart. And so we've heard about poverty. We've heard about foster uh, children. We've heard about a lot of different critical situations in our world and in our state and our neighborhoods. But somehow you have to evidence in your documentation that you have an innovative approach, that you thought of something that maybe nobody else has thought of, that your community is unique and has the capacity of fulfilling this. So this is critically important because you're like, well, yeah, we know that everybody's giving out masks and gloves uh, during COVID. Everybody is. What are you going to do different? And that's why I love our church so much, because as you know, we do much, much more with that. So again, one of the grants uh, that we received for the church, uh, mentioned how that we want to enhance our technology on the church website, we have a strand that where parents can come in and get parental resources and work better and more effectively with their child's teacher and communicate better to keep up the child's progress while we are distance learning. So the thing is that, you know, the school is great, the teachers are great, but we also need community resources for not only just the parents and the students, but for the teachers too. So who says that a church can't house helpful information? after that. So we got to think about that. So that's an example. But tugging on the heart, you know, the best way to collect information about the problem is to conduct and document both a formal and informal needs assessment. So for example, you've heard of a community needs assessment. Programs like Head Start, many adult education programs, um, Kaufman Foundation, are so many entities that have done community needs assessment around greater Kansas City. So if you're not familiar with the community as much as you would like to be, it's good to read the research. Urban League does a wonder, wonderful, they have a booklet called State of Black Kansas City. And I always get a copy of that book every year. And it's not just Black Kansas City. They also address the needs of the Latino community, the white community, everybody. So that is a wonderful tool to put your hands on if you're a grant writer. So tugging on the heart. Making sure that somehow you analyze the community, you assess it so that you can prepare a wonderful segment under that particular piece. And then you want to prove your case too under there. You know, again, I gave you some websites for grants. Most of those websites also have statistics. If you click on your state, you can find statistics. And it's okay to mention that you research some things under different websites. They like to know that you searched and kind of looked around and not just rely on what you know about your city or what you might think or feel, but that you have ground data, that you have things to back it up, what you're saying. Uh, Project objectives is next. Anytime you get free money, you're going to have to answer that question, why? What are your objectives? What are you planning to do? So what is going to drive your service delivery process for the grant, whatever it is you're going to do, what's going to drive that. And those are the objectives. So a lot of the times you'll see in a grant proposal, you'll see various objectives with explanations under them as to how they will be fulfilled, for example. So again, project objectives is critical. It's just like the objectives of a paper, a book, anything you do, your life, your vision board, your strategic plan must have an objective. And as you know, in those different tools I just mentioned, there's a description that's necessary. Okay, we got the objective. Kind <laughs> of explain what these objectives really are and why they're going to be so critical to what, how you're going to fulfill the grant. And so then you move into the project methods, design, and procedures. That's the how, okay? The objectives are the what. Now we're dealing with the how. What exactly, how are you going to do this? So if one of your objectives is to Improve reading grade levels of children in urban core Kansas City. You know, how are you going to do that? Are you going to work with reading specialists? Are you going to get in the network of the local school districts, for example? What is your plan of action for getting their attention sitting on uh, roundtable discussions, becoming a part of the school district community so that you can assess readings? Are you going to go work with some evaluators and you all are going to take some data first? Or are you going to do some assessments? Because one of the things that's very important about grants is that funders don't want you to assume anything about anyone. They want you to explain how you're going to find out, okay? So, you know, when you're working with people, we don't want to say, oh, this the children are reading low. No, no you can't talk general like that. You have to say, we have found that some children have uh, literacy and reading challenges. And so we propose to conduct some assessments, do some research, whatever it is you're going to do to analyze the situation. You explained that in this particular segment. And so under that project, Methods, Design, and Procedures, you talk about how exactly you're going to do that, what steps you're going to take, and what kind of strategies are you going to use and why you believe those strategies might work. So you really have to explain a lot. And then of course, evaluation number seven, you know, an evaluation plan is not always required, but it is a smart thing to do. What I like to do with any grant, even if I do it informally, is that I know a lot of really sharp evaluators and I always ask them questions. I develop a list of questions for them. I have them read the grant announcement And I ask them, you know, give me your thoughts about this because I want to evaluate my probable success. I want to ensure I'm successful with this. What do you see that would be the barrier? So a good grant writer has the ability to forecast possible barriers, things that can get a little sticky with submitting a grant ahead of time while simultaneously projecting positive outcomes or how they can overcome those because things can happen. And so you want a grant writer working with you like that, that if something happens, they can say, wait a minute, you know, don't, don't, don't get nervous. Let's back up. Let's, let's reevaluate and then let's keep moving. Because a lot of people who want to write grants really want to become a grant writer. They have one problem and they get totally disappointed and they stop. You can't stop. You got to keep forging ahead. That's right. And you got to keep forging ahead, you know? And I always say, if you don't get a grant, the word no has never stopped the sun from coming up the next day. No is no that time. Look at it like that. It's no that time. It's not no all the time.
0: That's right. I love that.
1: So you keep trying. And then number eight, future funding now. One of the most important questions they're going to ask you is if you didn't have this grant and if you feel so passionate about this, what if we didn't have the grant proposal? How would you fund this? And how will you fund it after the money runs out? Mm -hmm. Okay. now you're smart enough to say that you're going to constantly be applying for more grants and that uh, corporate sponsorships, uh, fundraising drives, whatever it may be. But you never want to let the money run out because if you are passionate about what you're doing, you're going to do everything you can to keep those services going, to keep the program going, to build the new building, whatever it is you would like to do. So the thing is, is that funders want to know you have a plan of action ahead of time, because if you don't, you just want to get a grant real quick, probably, you know. How many times have we seen some wonderful efforts Come to a screeching halt. Yeah, this is so
0: yes. Go ahead. You were going to say something. No, I was just saying many times. Many times they want to know that you have some skin in the game and that yes. you are so. I totally agree with you, and being able to articulate that in the grant and the proposal phase is very important. Yes, it is. It is,
1: and you know, I even think about restaurants who are suffering right now during COVID. And think about restaurants that just kind of closed up before COVID. And I know restaurants are not easy. You have to be really brave. But here's the thing we have to think about in terms of grants and businesses like that. So grants are always about improving something, doing something great, changing lives, changing mindsets, doing something that's going to empower people, make people healthy. So you're a restaurant owner, for example. There's a grant that comes out from Health and Human Services or the Administration for Children, Youth, and Families, and it's geared around nutrition. And so you're struggling to thinking, wait a minute, and I can't get a grant. I mean, I'm a restaurant. I'm not a school. I'm not a social services program. But you got to think about, you know what? So if there's a demand for us to be healthier through nutrition, maybe I need to develop an innovative element for my restaurant where there's a strand of meals that promote nutrition and health. Maybe I develop another component of meals for senior citizens to keep them healthy and strong. Maybe, you know, some things you have kid meals almost at every restaurant, but who has baby food, healthy baby food made from actual vegetables for babies at a restaurant? Wow. That's unique. That's innovative. Whoa. I'm going to apply that grant. You know what? They might say no, but I tell you what, they haven't heard that before. So you got to really think outside the box. You got to come up with something that is unique. You never know. You might be sitting on Oprah the next day because you have baby food at your restaurant. Okay. You know, Box lunches, for example, now I'm gonna go back on elements here, but I'm just trying to. I want to talk about how important it is to really outside the box ideas. Box lunches, we know typically you're going to get a ham turkey sandwich, for example, maybe chicken salad, something like that, some chips, an apple, and a cookie. Well, you know, maybe because we're in COVID right now, no one wants to cook turkey and dressing and all the fixing, nobody's coming over but maybe the restaurants can have box lunches delivered to homes, and you got two scoops of cornbread dressing, a couple of slices of turkey, some cranberry sauce, maybe a couple of candy yams, and some greens. <laughs> yeah. And, okay, and everybody said, hey, let's just order, you know, a couple of, that would work for my husband and I, a couple of uh, box lunches for Thanksgiving, for Christmas then we don't have to
0: worry about pots and pans or anything later. That's right. That's right. Being able to pivot and being flexible.
1: Yeah. And answering the needs of current, current times during COVID. Okay. So I just want to kind of share that as a, another important piece. So future funding, making sure you have a plan of action and making sure that you're innovative. Uh, project budget. So again, and I always, you know, everybody has a different opinion about this. I always say that when you put your budget together, I know we want to be careful, we want to be ethical, but you're trying to project as best you can because you don't know what costs are. I always say ask for more, ask for more, because you're going to always find a way to use it because of need or whatever you're trying to do. As long as you show you spent that money on the grant, you'll be okay. Don't ask for too little and then you're struggling and you can't fulfill the grant because you didn't ask for enough. Um, There are a lot of different budget examples. You can Google and uh, Google grant budget examples and you will see many. Uh, But again, most of the time, the grant proposal, it's uh, the grant announcement itself will sometimes give you the structure to use. That's what I love about grants is that they'll give you the structure. You pretty much fill it in and things like that. But sometimes you have to go ahead and create one scratch. And I think that's good experience. So my answer for that one would be just Get out there and research and look at all different types of budgets. Then in the appendix, which is the last section here, again, that's where you have your newspaper articles, your resumes of the staff, uh, congratulation letters and acknowledgments and certificates and things like that to show the credibility of you and or your organization. So I wanted to go through those 10 areas. But of course, in a training, the training that I provide would be uh, with activities and all kinds of things. Because one of the things I like to do with a group and a training, I just want to mention this real quick, is that I like to split up the group and have two people write the cover letter, the other two people write the community assessment and things like that, separate it all out. But they all have one goal, okay, That's what the grant mission is, and when you pull it all together, when they leave the training, they have done a mock actual grant proposal. And I've done it before, actually, with real grant proposals before. And I say, hey, do you all want to, you know, somebody want to be the fiscal agent? I didn't mention that. That's the person who's going to be in charge of the grant because it's going to go under their name. But again, I have had opportunities in some of the trainings I've done where they actually put together a proposal. And I think that's the best way to learn. Start writing as best you can. Keep improving, improving. And the only way you can improve is by continued writing.
0: So you really tapped onto uh, one of my uh, key components. So this sounds like a very sophisticated process. It mm-hmm. could be intimidating to people because yeah. obviously you have experience writing, you know what they're expecting, mm-hmm. and there's an art to mm-hmm. make sure the language that you're using and the proposals that you're submitting are received, that they're professional and that they're addressing the uh, the proposal. So for a novice that's starting out, someone that's thinking I wanna start applying for grants, they're not a writer, let's Uh say, they have no experience writing in this way, in this technical way. What are some of the suggestions that you give to them aside from taking a course and participating in a workshop as you described?
1: Okay. Well, some of the suggestions I have just to get started now, again, attending workshops and taking a course is very helpful. But I know a lot of people who have taken even a course and they felt like they still weren't ready. Suggestions I have is first and foremost, when you get your hands on a call for proposal for a grant, read it two or three times. And I know that sounds a little unusual, but whenever we read things sometimes, Sometimes you can miss them. It's like watching a movie. Mm-hmm. Watch, watch it again. You'll be like, how did I miss that? Well, did I doze off or what? So depending on how you feel that day, you can miss something important. I even have a couple of my colleagues or a friend read it too. So that that way I catch everything. And I also use kind of a template that I have and you can make your own template just to jot down important notes and things like that to trigger my memory so that when I actually start writing, I almost have the grant ready with all the details and things that I've taken. So review, reread, ask for help. Even if it's not a grant writer, someone who's very astute, like an attorney who's used to reading documents and catching things, that uh, an attorney is a great person uh, because they typically have good memories and are very detailed people. So ask somebody to help you just read it. And then do a realistic, and I really lean on the word hard, realistic, self-assessment and self-examination. Do you really believe that if you get the grant, the funding, that you really have the capacity, the desire to fulfill what the grant is asking you to? When you read it, say, wow, you know, that's really my thing. It's me. It's my name all over it. But really think about it. List out the kind of help you're going to need, the people, the resources, all the things you're going to need before you get the grant money. You need to think about that because it has a lot to do with whether or not you can fulfill it. I know a lot of people out here who have written grants and have received them and want it to be a one man show. And man, it almost gave them a nervous breakdown. So be very collaborative when it comes to self-assessing and self-examining, making sure that you do it right and that you don't overtax yourself and your health trying to do a grant by yourself. I mean, that's ridiculous because you know in the proposal, you told them you were going to work with all these different people, okay? So I always say, realistic, self-examination, purpose, what is self-assessment? What are you really thinking about here? Because if you just want more money, that's not the way to do it. A grant is not for you to increase your salary, okay? It can because, yeah, you pay staff salaries and grant workers out of the grant. But if solely you're just looking for a salary or income increase, a grant is not for you. Service delivery process, many grants involve providing a service, again, like I mentioned before, or it can be a constructive thing like a new building. For the grant proposal, you need to provide a convincing service delivery process. So the how is critical. Great writers can document what they'll do. So make sure that you really, really hold your feet to the fire and document and explain exactly how the grant will work, what it's going to solve or resolve, what are the methodologies and the strategies you're going to use and why. And then target population, community, recipients, the sources. Just you remember the 64128 example I gave you. Make sure that you understand who the target population is. They may not give you a zip code, but they may say single women with income below poverty levels with school-aged children or displaced men who have recently gotten out of prison or out of an incarceration situation, okay? So that doesn't mention, you know, a lot of times people let their ideas about culture get in the way. So I need to talk about cultural competence just for a little bit, because we'll see a grant that says, you know, formerly incarcerated men who have been out less than six months or 12 months, first thing people go, oh, oh, I got to go and find these men. No, you can work with any man. That's in that situation, not of just a particular culture or color, because a lot of the times when you uh, apply for a grant in that situation and then when they see through your data statistics that you are serving 90 percent of a certain culture, they're going to be like, wait a minute. We didn't say you had to serve all this or all that. That's why I say read that call proposal very carefully because they'll say, hmm, their eyebrows will go up. Now, how did, let's see, did they have a selection criteria process? How did they target or select the men to participate in the program? Hmm, because if they use a fair universal process, Any man of any culture could be served in the program. So I like to just mention that just in case. You know, when I share grant information, I try to be as, you know, as real as I possibly can. So, target population is very, very critical. Be sure to call in support, like I mentioned earlier. Follow the rules, follow the rules, and have the proposal proofread again. Make sure it's professional. And that you are professional if you ever get a chance to interact with the funders and other people involved in the grant, particularly the grant readers. I have been to lots and lots of grant meetings where everybody's in a big room and everyone's applying and asking questions. And I have started to pay attention to the administrators of the grant and the funders and other people involved. And I noticed they look around the room and they really pay attention Sometimes they jot down little notes and I'm like, hmm, you know. So if you want to start, apply for a grant that is called Dress for Success, Helping Young Women Learn Dress for Success, and you show up at the grant meeting in the jeans with the holes in them and they're lit all the way up and your shirt is wrinkled and you're just shoveled. That'll it might have be- a parent. Yeah, so I'm just saying. Now, that particular outfit I just described might work for some people, but again, you got to assess who you're dealing with. People have expectations. So I always tell people, you know, look at what you're applying for and do that self-examination that I talked about. Is that really you? Because it's not, don't waste your time. So again, there are lots and lots of do's and don'ts that I could share forever because I've learned so much you know over the years and I still have so much to learn. One of the things that's so exciting to me about grand writing is I learn something new all the time from different people. It's like you can never learn all of it, but you know it's just a fulfilling thing to do and one of the things that I enjoy most is, is sitting at my desk or my kitchen table and writing till 2.30 in the morning because I'm excited about these ideas that are popping. I always say to informally, take a nap. If you think of something, write it down so you don't forget it. You say, oh, wow, I hadn't thought about that. Man, stop what you're doing. I don't care if you're cooking, whatever you're doing. I always have a piece of paper jot down so you can remember what that was. So then you'll say, oh, man, I can't remember what I was thinking about. So try to keep a note place or a little notebook where you jot down your ideas. I use my phone and I uh, jot down notes all the time. Absolutely. Absolutely. So it's a very fulfilling and rewarding skill base. It's a wonderful craft to have. Now, I could be very wrong about this, and I will admit that I probably am wrong. But if you're one of those people, I know lots of people They pay people to write for them because they hate to write. If you hate to write, don't go into grant writing unless you have money to pay a grant writer. And let me talk about that for a minute. I have lots of colleagues in the community and we laugh and we talk about grant writing all the time because people don't really know what they're asking you for when they say, will you write this grant for me? Oh, you really know what you're asking And then I sit down with people and I say, let's talk about this. Let me explain some things to you. But what they don't understand is grants are not guaranteed. Okay. Sometimes you're the best grant writer in the world, but because so many people applied, you just didn't make it. And so one of the things I like, I want to leave you with tonight, not that I'm saying we're finished, but is that people must understand that. When you sit down and have an agreement with the grant writer in the beginning before you get started, and if the grant doesn't come in, you still got to pay the grant writer. So you know what the solution to that is? Learn how to write write it it yourself.
0: yourself. (laughs) Write it yourself. And And I think you've given some best practices. You've really given some guidance about things that we should consider when we're pursuing these grants. Being realistic and being honest about the services that you can provide is key. And I think sometimes you don't want to chase the money. You want the money or the resources that are the best fit or the opportunity that's the best fit for your skill set. We are not chasing money. And part of our building a legacy is that we are functioning in our authentic truth. And so while we're doing that, we're believing that the right opportunities. Will marry with our skill set and with our goals and with our dreams. And so that's one of the things I really wanted to focus on. We're not chasing money.
1: That's not, not chasing- what grant writing is. And you know, one of the things that goes hand in hand with grant writing, if grant writing is just not something that people feel comfortable with, get locked into government contracting where you can apply to get a contract from the government to fulfill certain things or something you're interested in. Government contract is kind of like grants where they have listings and listings of opportunities. So if that grant writing piece is not who you are, there are other ways to reach that overall goal, fund development. But what's most important for all of us to understand is that we must do something around fund development to help our communities and our families and to reach your own personal goals. That's right. Reach your own personal goals. You know, you want to get a grant to fund yourself to do this or that. It's possible. It really, really is. And so I just love it. I believe in it. I know it's not for everyone. But if you just take your time and work on a segment at a time and practice, practice, practice. Also, I'm a person that will show people grants I've done. A lot of grant writers don't like to do that. But one of the things that really helped me, I have to admit this, is actually seeing real grants helped me. So we must be in a sharing, collaborative, holistic mindset if we wanna help people reach their goals. And if we wanna access this funding that you don't pay back, that's available to you, we must help one another do that. It just makes sense. Millions and millions of dollars sitting here, and you just can't reach it. So, we have to help because it is overwhelming for some people. Uh, But again, it's one of the most rewarding things I've done in my life, and that's why I still do it. (laughs) So, I hope that I was able to share tonight. It was more of an informal type of education. Whereas, if people want a grant writing workshop or some other element of training, I certainly would go much, much more in detail. about a lot more information, but I just wanted people to really
0: feel this craft and know what it really is. Absolutely, and so Phyllis is with Pathfinders Professional Development, LLC. And for my listening audience, if you're interested in attending one of Phyllis's grant writing seminars and workshops, please look at the show notes. It'll have detail on how to contact me I'm going to be one of the first people to sign up because this is just a way of reinforcing and having the resources I need to achieve some of my goals. And I want to go about it in a way that's thoughtful and deliberate and will be successful. Okay. And so Phyllis, I can't tell you how informative this has been. I mean, we've heard best practices. I think we've learned of. Uh, the components of the grants. We've learned about how to pursue grants, where to find grants, who provides grants. This has just been a lot of great information. And this is why she's been so successful, because she gives back. And she's been doing this for over 20 years. And so we just thank you so much for being on my Legacy Experience podcast tonight. We had Other questions. And I think we've answered them all kind of in some of the other questions, but we've addressed so much and this content is really valuable and it's going to be a blessing to our audience. And if no one else, but I doubt it, but if no one else says how great this was, I'm telling you, and I'm going to use this information to further pursue my dreams in 2021. So I thank you for coming on the show and I just appreciate you and to the listening audience This has been my Legacy Experience podcast, a session on grant writing with Phyllis Harris. And so we thank you and tune in again. Uh, We will have exciting topics about building financial legacies because that's what we're about. So tonight, go forth and build your legacy. Absolutely. Thank you for tuning in to my Legacy Experience podcast. Go forth and leave a legacy.